Chapter 23, verse 1 Then spake Jesus to the multitude, and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say, and do not. In other words, they say, Do as I say, not as I do. Verse 2, this expression, Moses' seat, was a fictitious seat. The scribes and the Pharisees had given themselves an awful lot of power, a lot of reverence. But by verse 3, what the Lord is saying to them is to do what they observe you to do, but not after their works. In other words, if they taught the people of Israel to follow the Mosaic Covenant, then obviously they would be expected to follow the Mosaic Covenant but they weren't expected to a go beyond the Mosaic Covenant and b not to become hypocritical like the scribes and the Pharisees were. For, for they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers, very much like the Lordship Salvation proponents. They preach a hard message of repentance daily sacrifice, daily, if not hour by hour, sanctification, and yet for the most part they don't practice what they preach, and here the Pharisees are in the same boat. 5. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their cycletries, and enlarge the borders of their garments, and love the uttermost rooms at feasts, and the chief seats in the synagogues, and greetings in the markets, and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. Chapter 6, they were condemned for their public presence in the marketplaces, wanting to be seen of men, to be fasting, and to give the appearance of an internal and external holiness, and the Lord condemns them for it. But look at verse 8. But be not ye called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. We aren't to call men rabbis. We aren't to call men reverent. And by verse 9, we aren't to call men father either. And yet I have seen time after time Bible-believing Christians speaking to unsaved Jewish leaders and calling these men rabbis or rabbi. We are not to call them rabbi or rabbis. We have one rabbi, one teacher who is Christ. And this blanket ban is the Lord speaking to the multitude and the disciples from verse 1 who are all Jewish, all living under the law. So if they couldn't call a man rabbi or a man father, the same has to apply to us also living today, because in the context here, we only have one rabbi, and that rabbi is Christ. 9. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Clearly the Lord isn't telling us not to call our biological fathers father, because he spoke to his father in heaven and called him father and most of the Old Testament there is reference after reference of physical sons calling their physical fathers father. 
this again is in a spiritual sense we don't call men father and that should really be a wake-up call for those in the Greek Orthodox Church the Roman Catholic Church and parts of the Anglican Church we don't call men rabbi we don't call men father and we don't call men reverent because only God is reverent only Christ is our rabbi and only God is our father 11 but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant once again this feeds back into the condemnation of the juvenile apostles jockeying for position and asking the Lord who would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and he says unless you become as children you won't even enter the kingdom of heaven you need to humble yourself and then you'll be great in the kingdom of heaven same kind of theme here 12 and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted once again if you puff yourself up you will be brought down but if you humble yourself you will be brought up it's a paradox but again it goes back to humility we are expected to humble ourselves we are not expected to lord our positions over one another we are all brethren there is no clergy and laity we are all brethren now from 13 to 29 there are eight woes eight condemnations and I want to give a quick cross-reference to the book of Isaiah once I finished going through these woes because it shows once again that what happened and what was foretold in the Old Testament would happen and would be written down in the New Testament showing us once again that the Lord Jesus Christ was always going to be the Messiah he was always going to come he didn't just arrive on the scene like Muhammad did or other so-called religious leaders but he had a lot of scripture foretelling of his arrival dating back 1500 years BC the first five books were written 1500 BC Psalm 22 was written 1000 BC Isaiah 700 BC and I'll get to Isaiah shortly but look at 13 but woe unto you scribes and Pharisees hypocrites for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men for ye neither go in yourselves neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in obviously by this piece of scripture we can see that it is clear that we have the ability if we are not careful to stop men entering into the kingdom of heaven if we pervert the gospel if we even withdraw the gospel if we fail to dispense the gospel correctly we can close up heaven meaning quite simply that unless we are faithful unless we are accurately articulating the gospel of Christ to the correct recipients we could easily find ourselves in the condemnation here of the scribes and the Pharisees they closed up heaven they were blinded they were deafened by their hardness of hearts and therefore they became a stumbling block they became a problem rather than a solution to the people of Israel and again because they are priests because they are in a position of authority their condemnation is going to be much higher 14 woe unto you scribes and Pharisees hypocrites for ye devour widows houses 
and for a pretense make long prayer, therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Long prayers, repetitive prayers, always give the impression to the ignorance, and in this verse, widows who have just lost their husbands, it gives the simple people, it gives those that are grieving, those that are suffering, the wrong impression of the so-called spiritual elite. If somebody is having a hard time, if somebody is struggling, they are more susceptible to being deceived, to being misled. And here the Pharisees are being condemned for their long prayers, and as a consequence of that, they will receive the greater damnation. 15. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. They had an incorrect gospel, and if somebody is to believe that incorrect gospel, they are obviously going to be lost. Hence why Paul told us in Galatians chapter 1 that a false gospel is a cursed gospel which cannot save. And here, these Pharisees, these scribes would travel sea and land to make proselytes, to convert people to Judaism, and yet what they were preaching was a false gospel. It was an erroneous message. It couldn't save, and in reality, they were creating children of hell, children of the devil, rather than children of God, children of the light. 16. Woe unto you, ye blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. The emphasis was on the temple and the gold within the temple, rather than swearing and promising. It goes back to let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Be a doer of the word. Don't make promises which you cannot keep. 17. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold? Clearly the latter. 18. And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing, but whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift. Same as verse 17. 20. Whoso therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it, and by all things thereon. The altar is in the temple, the temple is from God, but Christ is the Lord of the temple. 21. And whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it, and by him that dwelleth therein, i.e. God. And he that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God, and by him that sitteth thereon. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Ye pay tithe of mint, and anise, and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides which straw at a gnat, and swallow the camel, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. The condemnations have been building up. The Lord has been waiting for the moment to really blast the so-called 
fathers, the so-called reverence, the so-called rabbis, because what you are finding here really is those that are dead within wanting to express a righteousness that can be seen by mankind. They want people to look up to them and revere them. And here, because Christ is omniscient, he knows the hearts, he is blasting the religious elite. And three times already he has called them fools. Sometimes it is justifiable to call somebody a fool. Paul called the Galatians fools. But if you call somebody a fool, there must be substance behind it. You can't call somebody a fool just for the sake or just for the fun of calling somebody a fool. Make sure there is substance behind it and make sure you have at least tried to engage this party or parties to repent and see the error of their ways. If they won't repent, if they won't see the error of their ways, then you have the right, if necessary, to call a spade a spade, much like we saw in Matthew 18. When your brother sins or your sister sins, you go to that party and you try to call them to repentance. If they come, wonderful, but if they don't come, then they are to be challenged by the church, and if they won't hear the church, then you are to separate yourself from them. If you remember the scripture where the Lord says, if you love mother or father more than me, you are not worthy of me. The same is true of friends. If you love your brothers or sisters in the Lord more than you love the Lord, then you're not worthy of the Lord. Because the brother or sister is in sin and you must separate yourself from them until they repent, in which case you bring them back into fellowship. 27. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whitest sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead man's bones, and of all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. This is why we have to check what people tell us in light of Scripture. No matter how great somebody appears, we go to the Word of God to see if what they are saying is so. Because even Satan's ministers appear as angels of light. The Bible is our ultimate textbook. We use the Bible to check what we are told in light of Scripture. We don't go to tradition. We don't go to catechisms or encyclopedias or textbooks. We go to the Bible and we check the Bible in light of what we are being told, never the other way around. 29. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets, and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous, and say, If we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Therefore ye shall be witnesses unto yourselves, that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Go to Isaiah, please. There are several woes, several condemnations here, which I want to just very briefly look at and show you that Isaiah, as a Jewish prophet, is a type of Christ. And when he speaks, he speaks of himself, but behind his words he is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 3 Verse 9 The show of their countenance doth witness against them, and they declare their sin as Sodom. They hide it not. Woe 
unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. 11. Woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hands shall be given him. Chapter 5, verse 8. Woe unto them that join house to house, that lay field to field, till there be no place, that they may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. 11. Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink, that continue until night, till wine inflame them. 18. Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity, and sin as it were a cart rope. 20. Woe unto them that call evil good, and good evil, that put darkness for light, and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. 21. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes, and prudent in their own sight. And 22. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine, and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward, and take away the righteousness of the righteous for him. Several condemnations, several woes, and there is a spiritual and a physical drunkenness there which Isaiah is condemning, which I think mirrors quite nicely the Lord's words in Matthew 23. These leaders that the Lord is condemning would have said to Christ that we wouldn't have been as guilty as our forefathers, and he is saying, actually, you are the children of your forefathers. You are the children of Cain, and therefore the condemnation going back to Cain is going to fall at your feet during your generation, because I am on the earth. And therefore, there is much more accountability, much more light. 32. Fill ye up the measure of your fathers. Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? Can you imagine if you are a Pharisee, if you are a reverent father being called a viper, a serpent, a snake? Can you imagine that? It's no wonder that they hated him so much, and it's no wonder that people today in organized religion hate the typical man or woman on the street who is a true Bible believer. They detest such a person with absolute contempt. This expression, how can you escape the damnation of hell, is rhetorical, because in reality they can't escape the damnation of hell. But he's going to ask it to them anyway, because there are some people among this group which are going to be saved. Joseph of Arimathea, and also in the book of Acts, we find priests that were saved. Let's follow on. 34. Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets, and wise men, and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues, and persecute them from city to city that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Bacharias, whom ye slew between the temple 
and the altar. Verily I say unto you, All these things shall come upon this generation, because the Lord of the temple has come to his people. They haven't received him, and therefore he has chosen this time for judgment to fall. Also, I am intrigued by 34, I send unto you prophets, Old Testament. Every appearance of deity in the Old Testament is a Christophany, I believe. The Lord Jesus Christ sent the Old Testament prophets to the people, and yet, for the most part, they didn't receive those prophets. He then sent wise men, scribes, and some of them were killed, and some were crucified. Please look at 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. That's a reference to the Old Testament. How often he would have gathered their children unto him. But they won't come. Man does have free will, but they won't come. They kill the prophets. Old Testament. They stone those that were sent to them. Old Testament. 34. He sent the prophets to the people. Once again, this is Christ affirming his deity. But they won't come. He loves all men. And he stretches forth his hand all day long. Come now, let us reason together. Yes, he is speaking first and foremost to the children of Israel. But vicariously, he's calling all men, all women unto him. Be ye reconciled unto him. Behold, now is the day of salvation. But ye would not come. 38. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. Chapter 12 speaks about the unclean spirit. It speaks about the house that has tried to transform itself without the new birth and problems occur. He curses the fig tree and he says that the kingdom will be taken from among you and given to a nation. And here your house is left unto you desolate. This is one of the final rebukes from the Lord. By this stage there is no going back. The God of Israel has come to his own and his own received him not. Therefore their house is desolate. They are really under the judgment of God and yet God gives them 40 years, a wonderful period of grace before he sends the armies to destroy the temple. They get 40 years to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and for the most part they don't believe on him. Therefore, 39, for I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth till ye shall say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Israel won't see him until they say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, their king riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. First coming and second coming, but here this is really in reference to the second coming. 
they are now truly under the judgment of God and that judgment won't be lifted it won't even be suspended until they bend the knee and say blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord <laughs>